0: Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. And on today's show, we have a very important topic for you today. We're going to learn more about Harvest House. On the show, we have Mark Beliveau, who is the Executive Director of Harvest House. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for coming in. And uh, we're going to start with very basics, in case people who are listening or watching aren't familiar with Harvest House and what you do.
2: Of course. So most people have a misconception that Harvest House is just a shelter on High Street, or so much more. And so yes, we do operate 60 bed shelter, 44 men, 16 women on high street. Uh, We also have an addiction recovery program. So we're seeing a lot of people struggle with addiction in the community. We have a nine month program, 34 beds and 52 housing units. So we hear a lot about, we need people, we need housing for people. Um, We do both affordable housing and then we do community based housing, which we can talk about in the future as well.
0: I think um, it was funny, before we started, you said that there's a lot of misconceptions and uh, you just blew my mind with all of those things. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know any of that.
2: 160 heads on beds every night is wow. what we have. Uh, we have an amazing staff of 56, half who come from homelessness themselves. And so who can help the homeless the best? People have been through it themselves. I can be there, I can help with budgets and finances and all of that, uh, but when it comes face to face with helping people when they're really struggling, is people who have been through it themselves and make a big difference. Um, Just last year, we opened our first ever Skills and Employment Centre, and so we've done over 400 classes of budgeting, of self-care, boundaries, codependency, working, you know, to, uh, a lot of people want to get their children back through the foster care system. We're working on that and reuniting families. There's all these different aspects. We're trying to help people get back on their feet. So it's not just, here's your handout. We're going to walk it with you.
1: That's amazing. I do think that there's a lot of people in the community who don't understand that, Amount of work that you're doing around just getting, like you said, heads on beds for the
2: night. Yeah, and it's you know, Moncton is a unique situation. Uh, We know we do have a large homeless population. Um, That's you know, some of that's geographic, some of that's you know, past history of people coming to Moncton and staying here. Everybody though deserves human rights. So you deserve a place to sleep, a food in their stomach. They deserve care, to medical care or care to get housing. And our goal is how many people can get into housing as quickly as possible because once they're in housing, that's one component. Once they're supported in housing, then they can make it. Just putting somebody in an apartment by themselves and walking away isn't the solution because a lot of people isolate and they struggle. But if they have a full support system around them that says, we're gonna help you maintain this housing, we'll work with your landlord, we'll make this a good experience for you, then they're more likely to stay in that situation.
0: You mentioned that we do have a a high homeless rate here in Moncton, and I know a lot of people um, would assume that that has really increased over the last few years. What are the main reasons you see for homelessness here in Moncton and maybe why there's a growth?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're a community that has a lot of organizations that can help support them. So we do have communities in the province that don't have any of those supports. They have no option but to send people to Moncton. We do, especially during COVID, a whole new uh, contingent of homeless population. So I'll give you a story. We had a woman who was 76 in her apartment for 23 years. Her rent increased. She couldn't afford it. We found her sleeping in her car. Instead of bringing her shelter, we were able to get her the help she needed and now she's in housing. That is the new homeless population we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Food increases, gas increases, people can't make it anymore. And so we were trying to find ways to say, entering the shelter system is not the solution for them. They're not there for shelter. They're there because they just can't afford to live. So we do uh, the big push throughout the whole community is diversion. Instead of coming in these doors and entering a shelter system, let's divert you into housing. Let's divert you into a program, into a hotel until we can find a solution. Diversion is the new word that we use to get people into a situation that makes sense for them.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about that? (laughs) What, what are the various options and how do you figure out what's the right fit for someone?
2: Yeah. So our first question is where are you here from? do you wanna go home, right? So last year we diverted 71 people back to their home community with friends and family supporting them. And so across the community, all the agencies, we're diverting people back to their home community because they come to Moncton saying, this is where I need to go to get all the help I need. Because of our numbers, because services are stretched, maybe they can't get that help. So can we, one thing we never do is send people from homelessness to homelessness. So we all contact families, communities and say, this person wants to return home. Can you support them if we do it? Are there agencies there that can help them? Let's take that step. That's the very first step because our goal is to get people back in with their family and friends where they have the community to actually help them. If that doesn't work, then we look at housing. So 103 people, we moved into housing last year in 2022. And so there's different ways of doing housing. So there's affordable housing, which we've heard of rising tide and and those type of programs, which gives people their own apartment. There's scattered sites. We work with landlords to say, do you have any units available that would be an NB housing unit that you could take people into your units? And then Harvest House, we're actually changing one of our programs as we speak from transitional housing. And we used to call it transitional housing because it was a transition into affordable housing. But the reality is just the word transition is unstable for people. They don't want to be in transition anymore. They want to be somewhere. So we're actually calling it community-based housing. Because what we're finding is we have a lot of people in their own apartment, and all day they leave their apartment and they come back to our shelter to be with their friends and family. And so what we're saying now, is called community-based housing for people that maybe their destination is to be in community. So, you know, we would have called it 10 years ago a rooming house. It's not that anymore. Yes, there's shared accommodations. You have your own room, but your living room, your bathroom, your kitchen is together. But what they really want is community. And so just last week, we sent them all to the Wildcats game. So here's people in housing, maybe they don't even know each other, and now they're going out together. Maybe they're going to a class at our Skills and Employment Center because we have classes just for people in housing. And so we have to look at all the different options and say there's not one stop for this. There's not, you can't just say we're gonna put everybody in an apartment and walk away. It doesn't work. And for every person in our care, they have a caseworker assigned to them that follows them throughout their journey. And that's what everybody's on is a journey and none of them are linear. There's no one, you can't put a, a you know, square in a, in a round hole for everybody. You have to find the solution to get them where they're trying to end up. Some people, all they want to do is wake up and have a little bit of freedom, go to the mall, come home, speak to their friends. Some people won't go to work. Some people won't go to school. Some people just want their family back. We work with each person for what their needs are.
0: You're bringing up an awful lot of um, skills that you're providing for people, um, accessibility that you're providing for people. How does Harvest House manage that? Uh, like, I, I, you know, I feel like I'm someone that knows quite a bit about the Greater Moncton area. It's kind of part of my job to know. And I, all of these things I didn't know you provided. Yes. So how are you guys um, achieving the funding to make this happen?
2: Yeah, so the funding is a challenge. So when I started Harvest House four years ago, our annual budget was 900000 This year is $3.5 Wow. And it only grows, right? So with the demand is growth. Uh, 87% of that is staffing because it takes people to help people, not, you know, operations is one thing. We need to help people and we have to have a conversation and work out a plan and walk them through it. Um, So that's where a lot of that comes from. The government is stepping up. So we've, you know, we've heard of Tiger Teams coming to Moncton and different groups coming in that's helping with that. That's made a difference. We need to keep on, though, having our community support us. So it's the business community who themselves are rightfully frustrated from time to time. So I've actually started meeting with the business community to say, how can we help you? Um, So I'll be going into a local business next week to speak to the staff to help educate them as well. Um, But a lot of it comes from donors. So we have over 2,600 donors who give to us every year, and that has been the game changer. People who believe in what we do. And if you ever see on our social, we do stories of hope. So we actually put stories out of here's somebody that was struggling, and here's who they are today, and here's the journey they had. And it gives people hope. And a lot of people call us after and say, I have a member of my family that needs help. Can you help them? And it's amazing the call volume that comes after every story because there's so many people it's hard to find anyone in the community who's not struggling either with mental health or addiction within their family even my own family i've experienced that and so with that we have to find ways to help them and the missing component that we're still trying to work on is how do we help those families Mm -hmm. so it's great to say we're going to help you uh tosh uh with your with your challenges what about the whole family who's back home struggling as well maybe they've just lost their primary breadwinner for the family maybe they've lost somebody that they depend on for their own mental health addiction supports. And so as that happens, we need to find ways to support the families as well. And to us, that's our next step we're looking to do is continue growing into that, that area.
1: Okay, can you talk a little bit more about the conversations you're having with the business community? Because I know that, yeah. that that is what we see, I think the most in mainstream media because that's the very immediate, you know, where there's friction. Mm-hmm. What kind of work can we really do there to help build those bridges and, and understanding?
2: Yeah, so no one asked me to do this, but I just started engaging with the business community because there has to be a bridge between people who are homeless and, and the business community. One just doesn't talk to the other. The situation isn't there, and usually if there is a lot of frustration. And so my discussion is typically, tell me how you're feeling. Sometimes just them communicating it with somebody who understands means a lot to them. Um, how can I help educate? And then what are some of the easy solutions? So some of the businesses say, I'm tired of picking up garbage and deals off my property. So now as Harvest House, we have people who are willing to go and do that on our behalf, partnering with downtown Moncton and the Chamber of Commerce to say, is this something that you'd like to fund a program? We've always wanted to do what's called Harvest House Gives Back. And what we're saying is the same people that have done damage to our community, now that they're in a better place, can they be a part of a crew that goes out and cleans up the community? If they paint the wall, they're not gonna go and graffiti it next week. If they, you know, clean up a property, they're going to make sure that nobody puts garbage back on that property. That's the concept we have, and so that's my easy solution to the business community: is can we at least help with some of the cosmetics fronts? Then can we help educate your staff? And then can you have a direct line to call us if you need our help? Now we tell the business community: nine one one is your call, <laughs> bylaw is your call. That is clear. But we get calls from local businesses around us saying somebody needs Narcan, somebody's overdosing on my on my property. Can you help? So one of our staff will actually get there usually the same time as ambulance will, but we'll still go in case they need our help. Um, it's really just engaging meaningful conversation. You know, there's, there's some wild ideas out there of, you know, moving people to industrial zones and all of that. To me, that, that's too far in one direction. Um, but at the same time, there is a way that we can work together. And I think as agencies, we need to be aware of their challenges. Um, and then we have to invest some of our time and resources, too, to help support them. Um, whether, Like I said, whether that's just meeting with them, have a coffee, or speaking with their staff to say, tell us what your biggest challenge is today, and can we advocate for some help for you? We're open to it.
0: And you must, in your role, and really anybody that, that works there, um, you must have to deal with a lot of negativity all mm-hmm. of the time. Um, how do you put your best foot forward when that happens?
2: So I am chronically positive, uh, <laughs> as you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually just launched a campaign, NB. We, we partnered with Works to do this 10-month campaign, and the whole campaign is to change the narrative in the community. You see a problem, we see a person. People talk about the crime and the homeless who are, who are part of the crime issue. Seven to 10% of the crimes from the homeless community. That's it, that's what the RCMP is saying. So we can't look at a whole community of people and say, you're a problem. Also try to change the narrative of, you don't know what that person's been through. So 83% of people that have come to our addiction recovery program were sexually assaulted as a child. <laughs> We don't understand what that is. We, a lot of people in the community just see them and say, that person's a problem. No, that person has been going through trauma for 20 to 30 years. Now, their only way to deal with that is drugs. So we're trying to help them with that, but not only that, help deal with that trauma. And so for us, it's, it's how do we change the narrative? And how do we tell stories? We always call them stories of hope. Harvest House, the word we associate with Harvest House is hope, because so many people come in our care have lost their voice. Have lost hope, have lost their families, have lost everything, to the point where many people are you know are willing to commit suicide to get out of it. We're saying, let us help you, let us walk beside you, and you tell us what your journey is, and help, and we want to help you get there. No matter how long it takes, we're going to work with you on that. It's a big, it's hard to stay positive some days. Yeah, <laughs> there is a lot of backlash, there is a lot of negativity, um, but we've always tried to be a bridge builder. And so, where is the struggle? What's the solution? Can we fill the gap? and help both the community and that individual get to where they want to go.
0: Mm -hmm. Incredible.
1: When you talk about hope, what is some of the hope that you've seen in the way things have changed over the last number of years for the organization?
2: Yeah, so we've expanded our services to hit more people. So when I started, we were helping 80 people a day. Now we're at 160. On top of that, we feed the community and we do 50 bag lunches a day. And so people who don't even want to access shelter or can't, we still have 50 bag lunches available. We can still feed them on the street. That is how I see hope. Skills and employment has brought people to such an amazing place. I have one gentleman, uh, he actually works for us now. He had lost both of his children due to addiction. His girlfriend, wife was not in the picture, so he'd lost the children to the foster care system. He took a five week course with us of how to be a better father. And by the end, he now has shared custody of his children. To him, that's all he ever wanted. He came to the programs, he wanted his kids back. Now he's working full-time for us and going home on the weekends to see them. That is where I see hope. We have uh, another gentleman in our care, he went through our recovery program, and we have a relationship with both Oltons and MBCC. The people in our care go back to college for free. And so he's actually right now becoming an HVAC technician to get a career under his belt. He's now clean, sober, he's from Sussex, New Brunswick, originally, his story is on our Facebook page. And now he's starting a whole new career and inspiring people in his family and in his community of who he is now. It's amazing how people respond when they meet these people again, because they have no idea. Like I meet mean, people that come in and say, I used to be your teacher. I can't believe this is who you are today. It blows them away. Unfortunately, the bad news stories is what we hear in the community. And we're trying to push as many positive stories as possible to overcome that because there are people getting better every day. When I say better, that's not a specific definition of what better looks like. What's better for them? So if they've just gone into housing for the first time and they wake up and they feel safe and they aren't worried about their belongings being stolen and there's not somebody who's um, overdosing beside them, maybe that's a good day for them. Maybe it's the fact that uh, for the season opener of the basketball, uh, a donor in our community bought us 18 tickets. We could send people to the basketball game. We believe that people in our community who are in this demographic deserve what we deserve. And so we, we're a part of Burger Week. Uh, we always make a Hope Burger every week in our kitchen and say, you may not be going out to all these different restaurants for your burger, but you're going to have one right here. You're going to go to sporting events. You're going to be a part of our community because that's what you need. The community needs to support these people, not turn their back on them.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a topic that we've come yeah. back to time and time again. That sense of belonging is key to everything. It is. And that's what you know. that's what Pickle Planet has always been about in terms of trying to help families find ways to make those connections from a young age. And what we try to do with this show and share these stories, and I can say that I've been watching those stories pop up on your social media channels of all these people who are willing to step forward and say, this is my journey, this is my story. And it it does take a lot of power within a person to be able to share something that some people in the world might look at negatively. Yeah. And,
2: And you know, it's like I say to people, If you're trying to fix the whole problem of homelessness in the city of Moncton and in the country, you're never gonna get there. If you can stop and look one person in the eye today and say, how can I help you? You can change that person's life. You can change their whole family, their whole community based off of that conversation. And if we start looking at it as one person at a time, there's organizations who have complete systems to help people, there's government who's putting money forward to help fix the solution, but it takes our whole community to help one person at a time. That's going to make the impact we need. Mm
0: -hmm. You had made a mention of the programs like the how to be a better father program. Uh, What other kind of programs do you offer like that? Like specific ones?
2: Yeah. So we find a lot of people, they become very codependent. So codependent either on other people in homelessness, codependent, maybe it's on their drug dealer, maybe it's on, you know, a a toxic family member. So you do codependency courses to help break that. Uh, We do budgeting. So we have a lot of people that say, I want housing. That's great. How about we start with how to pay your rent? And then after that, do you have any debt? Do you have family, your support? You know, let's talk about budgeting. Um, We do uh, CMHA, so Canadian Mental Health um, Association, they come in and do uh, living a better life. So they do a whole five week session as well. And so what we're doing is partnering with people in the community um, that really have these these abilities to teach and who want to give back, but maybe the shelter in the streets is a little intimidating for them. So we're saying, come in and teach a class, come in. We have um, somebody who uh, retired from a coa who came in and he's helping one-on-one mentoring guys and trying to help them move forward in their life. Um, We have all these different classes that are happening on a regular basis. We do GED programming. Mm -hmm. So people in our care who just want to get their GED so they can go to college, that's an option for them. How to build a resume and how to do interview prep, we do that as well. And so we're looking at all the different aspects in our community and saying what, and and we change this on a regular basis because it depends on the needs of the community. We're not gonna tell them you have to learn this. What do you need to succeed? and then we adapt as we go. But it's, it's been instrumental in our first year of doing this and we actually just um, received some donations to now double the size and have a second classroom. And so those are the beautiful moments where all of a sudden now we can serve so many more people and have two classes going at once. And so we're really trying to open up those new avenues and say, maybe the traditional shelter system has let you down in the past. In fact, systematically and, and empirically, we know it has. How do we change and flip that on its head? So now everything we do is focused on trauma-informed care, is focused on housing, is focused on community, and we help you lead a different path that maybe was never an option for you 10 years ago in the old system.
1: I think it's so fascinating to think of how, how slowly and yet how quickly things have (laughs) changed, right? When you talk about it, 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 it's a very short time since you've kind of flipped to doing this, but it took a, It was a journey just to get there as well.
2: It was, and you know, it's, I think it's a realization that COVID was really a big push for this, because what we saw is during COVID, a lot of people were stuck in a room or locked in. And what happens when people use drugs or, or, you know, or addicts, they isolate. And so we had people relapsing across the board because all of a sudden they were isolated in a room and, and this was the trigger for them that they had to use again. Um, so what we found through that is isolation is the worst thing we can do for people. It's community that's going to get them out of it. And that's what our whole focus is on now. And even when we do housing, you know community-based housing is a beautiful thing because they watch the hockey game together and they make a meal together, or we bring them a meal. But um, you know it's if you do it together, for all of us, you know,'m I'm, I'm a social person. I like being out there. if i'm if I'm home too long, I crawl the walls. Long weekends are not my friend. <laughs> yeah. um, but how do you think people feel that have been isolated for so many years, but not just isolated, but looked down on right? They The same comments that I see, they see them. They see what people think of them. They think that they're criminals. They think that they're you know, no good uh, members of society. When the reality is, any of us could be in their situation. And this new wave of homelessness just proves it. Just because the cost of everything has gone up and rent has skyrocketed, we have all these people that have never experienced homelessness before. We have six cars that we've had over since COVID parked on our property of people that are living in their vehicles in the city of Moncton. That's not okay. No. And but that just speaks to how vulnerable we all are. And you know, this is why we try to work, we we're, we partner with Food Banks Canada, we partner with Food boulevard Ontario, we, we partner with all these different agencies to say help us alleviate some of the pressure. And help us alleviate some of the financial pressure because what i've i've said many times as executive directors most of our job is writing grants and finding the next money if we didn't have to do that how much more could we be doing in our community today how much more of an impact could we all have and that's where we're trying to get to as as a society and as as an ecosystem how can we get to that place so we can start reaching more people and not try to focus more on the money
0: Excellent. There are a few schools I know in the Greater Moncton area that have really great breakfast programs. Yes. Um, How do you deal with children at Harvest House? As like you said, this is a whole new, you know, homeless issue. What about involving kids?
2: Yeah. So, do you mean from a like a a (coughs) serving them perspective or having them be involved?
0: And do they, can they stay at the shelters, uh, like families, yeah. things like that? Yeah. So,
2: so we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, ours are for people who are 19 or older. Okay. Um, there's some security reasons for that. Mm-hmm. However, I've gone to two schools now to go speak to students, um, be engaged with them. So many of them are doing social studies classes where they have to learn about homelessness. So I love to go and speak to them. Also, we let um, families come and volunteer. And so what we love to do, and I say to anybody, you want to volunteer at Harvest Sales, First thing, come serve a meal cook and serve a meal and see people. It's a safe space, it's a kitchen, it's very, very controlled, I'm coming to be a part of it. Because we do, I believe that there's a really big uh, proponent that needs to be pushed or help support children with understanding what they're seeing. Because it's confusing for them. They're going down this road and saying, why is that person there? And if the parent doesn't know the full story, then that's what's gonna be passed along. And so we do need to educate students, youth, of what this looks like and why we do what we do. And also why people end up in this situation and just give a bigger explanation, than well they're homeless. Right. Yeah.
1: If a family listening or watching wants to do that, or if someone you know has someone in their life that they want to help support, or they want to support you somehow, yeah. how are people gonna get in touch?
2: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and so we ask everybody to go on our website, www.HarvestHouseAtlantic.org. Um, We also have a second website for uh, our unhoused, which is unhousednb.ca. That's our secondary website that we have right now for our campaign. If you want to get involved, just call the office, 506-855-0626. They can call anytime. Uh, They can leave a message. We're always looking for volunteers. We are definitely always looking for funding. Um, But also I do tours on a regular basis. So I want to bring somebody for a tour. I would invite both of you to come for a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a 30 minute, one hour and two hour tour, so it depends when people are available. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I say to people, it's one thing to drive by our shelter and make a snap decision, walk through that door and see what's really happening. And our tour covers our shelter, recovery, housing, skills and employment, everything. And you actually meet people and they'll tell you their story. That's the beautiful thing. People are not afraid to share their story if they feel safe and they feel like you're not gonna judge them. And so coming for tours is a great way. We, we actually uh, recommend that businesses, groups, anybody who wants to see what really happens behind those doors, come and see it. Um, but people can just reach out. And if anybody feels, who's watching this, needs help with addiction recovery, or looking for housing, they go on our website and actually apply right on there. And so that's a great way for me to do that.
0: Okay. Thank you for your time. Thank I learned you. a lot today. I know, we can <laughs> sign up for that tour.
1: <laughs> Thank you everyone for watching and listening as well. And we'll be back next week.